Thessalonians this morning. When I, um, I don't know if you ever do this, do you ever, do you ever look at babies and think, I wonder what they're thinking? If they could talk. Some over here looking at Ashram thinking to myself, he's thinking, why do you have to be so loud? And sometimes, um, you know, I know when they have babies in the tub, they're, they're like, could you bring it down a few decibels? And because uh, they're trying to, you know, keep the. So sometimes I remember, sometimes I don't. Um, but it, you ever look at today or this week? This last week was was wee ones, and of course we see a lot of kids and a lot of a lot of babies. And sometimes I think, you know, when a baby screams or cries or they're wanting to say something like. Sometimes not nice something, and uh, you look at their faces, and the, it's just it's hilarious to to see their reactions to different things, and uh, it's a uh, it's a blessing. It's a blessing to be able to uh, have children in the church and um, babies in the church, and uh, we're thankful, uh, certainly thankful for that. We've been talking about rejoicing in the Lord, rejoicing in the Lord, and we talked about uh, already rejoicing. Uh, uh, in his provisions, uh, we talked about rejoicing in his presence. Aren't you glad for the presence of God? I'm so glad uh, that, um, that I have uh, day by day his presence. He walks with me and he talks with me uh, along, this, uh, along this life. You know, the Bible says that uh, he'll never leave us and he'll never forsake us. And so, what a blessing it is to know that wherever we go uh, and uh, whatever we do, God is with us. And you know, Christmas is just around the corner, and uh, we, we think of that word Emmanuel, and that word, uh, that name Emmanuel means God with us. And so thankful uh, that God is with us, His presence uh, is with us. And then we were talking about rejoicing in God's. Uh, not only his provision and his presence, but rejoicing in God's promise. Rejoicing in God's promises. Aren't you glad for the promises of God? I hope you're glad. I hope you're thankful for God's word. I hope you don't take it for granted. Sometimes I think we take things for granted. And um, I'm, in a, I'm kind of in a, a new world right now of collecting. I'm a I'm a collector of like lots of things, and then I get bored and I start collecting something else. I think they, I think some people call it hoarding, but whatever you call it, um, I, I'm now in this world of collecting Bibles. I love the Word of God, obviously, and I uh, love to read the Word of God, love to study the Word of God, and and uh, it is, it is, a, it's an expensive world. I mean, it, some of them, some Bibles are super, super expensive, and um, but I, but I love I love God's word. But if we're not careful, you see, sometimes we can get off track. Sometimes we can just consider the Word of God another book, or the Word of God just something to collect. A Bible came up for bid, and um, 
I bid on Bibles all the time. I never win them uh, because I'm, I'm not going to pay what, you know, other people are going to pay. But it was this Bible. I think I told you on Wednesday night. It was this goat skin, full yap, edge line, gorgeous, beautiful Bible by R.L. Allen. And this Bible, I mean, it was just beautiful. It was a, it was, it was a red brick. They call it red brick, the color was. And, and uh, just absolutely gorgeous. Well, the text block was messed up. So when you turn to, turn to Psalms, there was passages from Isaiah. And you've turned to Jeremiah, there was passages of the Psalms. And the entire text block was, was, was messed up. It was, it was like trying to... You ever, you, ever bring, you ever get a chronological Bible? Don't bring a chronological Bible to church. Because when the preacher tells you to turn somewhere, you're never going to find it, okay? Because it's chronologically in order. Well, these things, it was all topsy-turvy and turned upside down. And I just kind of thought it was a novelty. R.L. Allen's a really good uh, uh, um, uh, Bible publisher. And so I, I thought, man, I'm just going to get this to have it. I mean, it's just neat. And so I bid on it and, ha, huh, somebody paid a $160 for a Bible that's, that's, that's all mixed up. And the person that bought it, they, they, just like all the other aficionado Bible collectors, they just put it on. I, here's, here's the point. I'm, I'm going to take it. I'm going to keep it in its nice little blue two-shell clam box and put it up on my shelf. And I'm never going to use it. And I'm telling you, and it's great. It's a great thing if you're not going to use that Bible. But the point is, you've got to use some Bible. You can't just collect them. You can't just have them on your shelf. At some point, you have to use it. So, i tell you what I do. Now, you're really going to think I'm over the top now. So, I've got a Bible that I collect, and then I find that Bible used that I can use. So I don't use that one. I use the used one because it's already used, and I don't want to ruin that one. And so, but the point is, you got to open it up. you got to study it. The Scripture says, The study to show thyself to prove unto God, a workman that needeth not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. You can't rightly divide the word of truth if you never open it. You can't rightly divide the word of truth if you never study it. So we've got to understand the blessing that we have by having the completed revelation of God. Do you realize, I know you do, because we talk about it all the time, there are people groups that don't even have a portion of God's Word in their language. There are people groups in this world who only have small portions of God's Word in their language. Can you imagine? Can you imagine with me, just for a second, I mean, we we speak the English language and there is no Bible in our language. You know what choices you have? Don't read the Word of God or know another language. Do you realize that's why William Tyndale was so adamant about having the Word of God in in the average person's language, in in the English language? 
Matter of fact, he died because of that cause. He died only completing parts of the Old Testament and all of the New Testament. Matter of fact, in this series here is kind of the series of how we got our King James Bible and, and William Tyndale's 1526 replica, obviously. 1526 New Testament is in that, in that line. Because he went, to the, he went to the fire, he died of the fire saying this, Lord, open up the eyes of the king. Open up. That was his last words. Open up the eyes of the king. And in that succession, of course, uh, is where we end up with our uh, King, James, uh, uh, King James Bible. Why? Because the Word of God is precious. The Word of God is priceless. I mean, the Word of God is what we need to change our hearts and our lives. So the promise... Uh, uh, we need to rejoice in the promises of His Scriptures, the promises of His security. And I want to rest this morning on this third thing, and that is the promise of His second coming. The promises of His second coming. The promises of, uh, uh, of the rapture of the church. God leaves us promises throughout His Word. Matter of fact, uh, uh, several writers have stated there over... Uh, uh, over 6,000 promises uh, to claim from the Word of God. And this is one of those promises. You know, uh, uh, Jesus says to His disciples in John 14, He says, Let not your heart be troubled. They were worried a little bit. He said, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in Me. In My Father's house there are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. Listen to what Jesus said. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself. That's, that's, that's rapture, okay? The word rapture, preacher, is not in the Word of God. The word God's not in the book of Esther. That doesn't mean it doesn't exist. It doesn't mean God doesn't exist, right? And so we, we understand this. We understand the fact that the rapture is in, we're going to look over here in just a second in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, the absolute definition of the word rapture. But he said, I'm going to prepare a place for you, and then I'm going to come again, and I'm going to, I'm going to take you from where you are and bring you to me. That's what, that's what Jesus said. And what a blessing it is that, uh, uh, that Jesus leaves us his promise of his second coming, of, his, of the rapture of the church. Now, understand, when I say second coming this morning, I'm not talking about the second advent, okay? That's a separate event. That's after the rapture of the church. The next event on the prophetic calendar is the rapture of the church. Nothing else has to happen for the rapture of the church to happen. The rapture of the church could happen at any moment. It can happen at any time. Nothing has to fall into place. All has fallen into place already for the rapture of the church to happen. First Thessalonians chapter 4. First Thessalonians chapter 4, verse number 15. For this uh, we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord, shall not prevent or precede them which are asleep. What does it mean to be asleep? 
they're not taking a nap. Those are, that's a euphemism for people that are dead. They have gone on before. So we're not going to prevent them that are, are dead. Or we're not going to precede them that are dead. Why? Look at verse 16. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. One theologian said they're going to rise first because they have six more feet to go than we do. I don't know how accurate that is. But anyways, they're going up first. Verse 17. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up, there's your word rapture, shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Look verse 18. Wherefore, because of this, because of what I just said to you, comfort one another with these words. The promise of Jesus Christ himself coming back to receive us, coming back to call us. Now, the rapture of the church is Jesus coming in the clouds. The second coming is Jesus coming to the earth. Okay, so understand the second advent is different than the rapture of the church. But the rapture of the church is the next promise. This is the next thing that God uh, is going to do in the person of Jesus Christ as we get rapture. Think about the word rapture. I want, to, I want to give you this real quick, this, this, uh, uh, the word rapture, when it comes to 1 Thessalonians chapter number 4 and the promise of the rapture of the church. R for rapture is reunion. Reunion. What a great reunion it's going to be. Do you know, we talk about time, right? And time marches on, doesn't it? Here, sometimes time goes fast, sometimes time goes slow. Isn't that true? When you go on vacation, that week's over with, right? I mean, it, I mean, you go and you're, but, but what's like a couple weeks before vacation? I mean, is it ever going to get here? Now, does time change? No. It's 24 hours is 24 hours. But it can feel different, can it? I mean, depending on the situation or the circumstance you're in. Can I tell you, time is different here than it is in heaven. We understand that, right? Time is different here than it is in heaven. And I believe when we get uh, raptured out of here, or when we pass from this life and we are in the presence of the Lord, the people in heaven are going to be like, wow, you're here already? Because it's not this 24-hour and and, uh, uh, seven days a week and and 30 days in a month and 365 days in a year. And that's that's our time. God's timing and our timing are different. That's why when it comes to answered prayer, we don't go by our time, we go by God's time. And God's timing is always better than our timing. Even though sometimes we don't think so, because sometimes God says, wait. Have God ever told you wait? You almost want to say, all right, God, just say yes or no. Uh, this waiting thing, I, I can't stand to wait. I mean, I'm the God that don't like to stand in line. I, I, I can't. I can hardly stand to go to Chick-fil-A. Now, I know that's sacrilegious. I get it. Somebody said that's God's chicken. Okay, whatever. But I'm here to tell you, I hate waiting in line. I hate it. I can't, I can't stand it. I know you got to, and I know you got to wait in line everywhere you go and everything you do. But I'm here to tell you, I am not a very patient person. And by nature, most of us aren't patient people. 
But sometimes God said, listen, it's not my timing, or it's not your timing, it's my timing. And we've got to trust God that He knows what He's doing when it comes to His timing. So when the rapture happens, it'll be according to God's time, not your time. It's not according to my time. It's not according to your time. It's not according to the church's time. It's according to God's time. And when God raptures the church, there's going to be a great reunion in the air. You know, every time a a, a fellow Christian or a family member that's saved dies, heaven gets that much more sweeter, doesn't it? Because when we leave here, we'll be, certainly the greatest thing will be with Jesus, but understand this, we'll be reunited with loved ones. That have gone on before. What a great reunion that will be. The letter A. I'm going to give you the letter A. Not only uh, R is reunion, but letter A is alive. You see, you just think you're alive now. Because when you reach down and you, you feel your pulse, if you reach down and you don't feel your pulse, there's something wrong, okay? So, But if you reach down and you feel your pulse, you know you're alive, right? Well, sometimes... You don't feel so alive. Maybe you didn't get a good night's rest. Or maybe, you know, you got aches and pains. Maybe, I mean, there's, there's some times where you feel more alive than others, right? I mean, that's just, that's just part of life. It compares nothing to when we get to heaven. I mean, we are going to be more alive than we have ever been. To die no more. To be sick no more. To be in pain, no more. You know, it's hard. You know, it's kind of hard to even imagine that, isn't it? I mean, because we've got aches and pains here. We've got to, you know, as somebody said, how do you know when you're getting old? When you bend over and, and you pick something up and you look around to see what else you can pick up while you're down there so you don't have to bend over again. That's how you know when you're getting old. And, you know, you, you go down and you, you hear pop, 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 pop. Pop, 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 pop. I mean, you're like, well, I don't think it's supposed to sound that way. Or you move, or you turn. If you have back problems. Anybody got back problems? They're terrible, aren't they? And sometimes your back's okay. And then you, I mean, you go pick something up. Whoop. And you're, anybody that has back problems knows exactly what I'm talking about. And then, the, you know, the rest of the week you're walking like this. What's wrong with you? You want to trade backs? I'll tell you what's wrong with me. Pains. Aches, sickness, all the things that are going on, all the things that we face in this world. And by the way, the older you get, the worse it gets. Because your body is not made to live forever. Do you know that? This body, I'm talking about this body, this flesh, is not made to live forever. You're going to get a new one. Praise the Lord, I don't want this one forever. I love the fact, I, I give this illustration all the time, but I absolutely, I absolutely love this, that Miss Betty's daddy, he went in, he was 90, I don't, I don't even remember how old he was at this time, he's 94, 95 years old, and he went into the doctor, and the doctor said, look, Mr. Andrews, you're, you're, just, getting, you're just getting old. Well, he come busting out of there and said, I'm getting a new doctor. I mean, who does he think he is? It's like, you're 95. You're 95 years old. You're going to have a couple aches and pains. You're, you're knee, he, he got a knee replacement at 93 and 94. 
And I was in there visiting with them, and, and uh, we were talking, and the, and the rehab nurse come in, and, and uh, she said, so, so how you doing? And he said, I'm, I'm doing okay. And, and she said, okay, I'm going to do some exercises. So I stayed for this one. And so I, I, was, so I just wanted to watch her. She said, so I, I need you to move your leg like this. She said, just like this. So I'm, I'm watching him. He goes. And I'm going, oh, my goodness. She said, oh, no, slow down. Slow down, slow down. And then she said, now do this. And he, he's doing all this. And he says, she says to him, now, now, does that hurt? And he said, sweetheart, I just had surgery. Of course that hurts. It's like, they don't make them like that anymore. We have aches and pains, right? We have all these things that we're dealing with in this body. But praise the Lord, we have something to look forward to. A new body. And we'll be more alive then than we have ever been in our lives. The letter A is alive. The letter P is personal. Letter P is personal. You know what the Bible says? That Jesus himself will come. He's the one that's going to come and call us. You know, we we don't serve a a far-off God or an untouchable God. We serve a personal God. You know what that tells me? It should be the same thing that tells you that God cares. You know, Peter said it best, didn't he, when he said, casting all your care upon him. Why? Because he cares for you. God cares about your aches and pains. God cares about your problems. God cares about what you're going through. It's a big deal to God. Even if it's not a big deal to other people, it's a big deal to God. You know why? Because God loves you. You know, it's an interesting thing. It's an interesting thing how people look at things. If you look at something and you look at something somebody's going through, and you, and you think to yourself, listen to me. Anybody in here watch football? Just kidding. Um, you watch some of these guys get hit and you think to yourself, stop being a weenie and get up. I mean, come on. Just stop. I'm here to tell you, when you're looking at them and you're saying that, put yourself in that shoe. And you got hit by a 375-pound dude. I'll tell you right now, he'd, he'd break every... If somebody that size was coming after me and I had the ball, I'd give it to him. <laughs> I, don't, I don't want you. I don't want you hitting me. Are you crazy? Because when I'm looking at you, I'm thinking to myself, you just need to suck it up and you're all right. But if I'm in that situation, all of a sudden, oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Somebody's going through a problem. Somebody's going through a situation. And you don't really have a relationship with that person. You're thinking to yourself, oh, come on, just... You'll be okay. But somebody you love going through that situation, you look at it different, don't you? I'm not saying that you're mean-spirited, and I'm not saying that you do it on purpose. I'm just telling you that's, that's how we are, human nature. We look at things differently. It's a bigger deal when somebody you love is going through it. It's a bigger deal when somebody you care for is going through it. Can I tell you something? God loves you and cares for you. So it's a big deal to God. So when we pray, God cares. When we pray, God hears. When we pray, God answers. You know why? Because God is a personal God. I'm so thankful for that. I know you are as well, but Jesus Christ isn't going to send somebody else. Jesus Christ himself is going to come and call us to himself. Reunion, alive, personal, 
It's going to be transforming. It's going to be transforming. We will be like Him. You know, the Bible talks about in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, you know, we're going to be changed. We're going to be perfect. We're going to be sinless. We're going to be without sin and sorrow, and we're going to be without Satan. We're going to be out of all these things that we're facing now. It's going to be completely and utterly transforming. We are going to be transformed to be like Him. You know, in the military, for you that have been in the military, you remember going to boot camp? I remember going to boot camp. There's a lot of things I don't remember, but I vividly remember going to boot camp. I thought I was in pretty good shape when I went to boot camp. And I was certainly very cocky when I went to boot camp. And I decided that no, nobody, I, was eight, I mean, I was 18. There was nobody's telling me what to do. That was, that was my attitude. And I went to boot camp. And let me tell you what they do in boot camp. Their goal is to knock your head off. I mean, that, that's their goal. Their goal is to strip everything down in your life. Your attitude, what you think you know, all of that stuff. They, they, they take, their goal is to take all of that away. You know why? Because they want to build you up into being what they want you to be. Not what you want to be, but what they want you to be. And if you, you pick a school, they send you to that school, and, and they train you to be what they want you to be. Understand what Forrest just saying? You're not the potter. You're the clay. You know what the clay is, right? It's a, it's a lump of inanimate object. That's it. And the only way for the clay to be what it's supposed to be is if the potter gets a hold of it. Well, how silly would it be if the clay says, listen, I don't want you, I don't, I don't want you changing me. I just want to be this lump of clay. I don't want to be what I want to be. And so often we get this attitude that, that, that we're going to mold ourselves. We're, we're going to pull ourselves up by our own bootstraps. We're going to be successful. And can I tell you, you can be very, very successful in this world and be very, very unsuccessful spiritually. And do you realize the opposite can be true as well? You can be very, very unsuccessful in this world and be very, very successful spiritually with God. I'm here to tell you this world and the riches of this world and the fame of this world and the power of this world are fleeting. They only last a little while. But I'm here to tell you what you allow God to do in your life lasts forever. If you allow Him to be the potter, You'll be the clay that you're supposed to be. You'll do, you'll be what you're supposed to be. You'll be transformed even now. But ultimately, one day we'll be transformed completely. So reunion alive, personal, transforming, unbelievable. The word, their letter U, I I wrote unbelievable. And this is why I wrote it. There's a lot of things that are going to be unbelievable. But I'm here to tell you, after the rapture of the church, there's going to be an event here on the earth. It's called the tribulation period. It is going to be a nasty time. Read the book of Revelation. It's going to be a time 
where God begins to deal again with his chosen people. And he deals with them during this tribulation period. But I want you to know something. All the vials and the judgments and the bowls and all that comes down upon this earth, I'm here to tell you, I'm glad I'm not going to be here. Now, I know that there is mid-trib and post-trib and all these things, but I'm here to tell you, I believe in the pre-trib rapture. I believe I'm going out before it ever happens. I believe the Bible teaches that. And so, we're going to be with the Lord in the air. Now, things are going to be going on in heaven, but here on the earth, it's going to be unbelievable. It's going to be unbelievable. If you haven't read it lately, you should go back and read it again. The absolute devastation. There are going to be people and groups of people who are going to try to hide and wish that the mountains and rocks would fall on them. It's going to be a devastating, devastating time. An unbelievable event. It's an event that you will not want to be left behind for. It's going to, and I'm here to tell you, let me give you the letter R, it's restricted. The rapture is restricted. It's not a free-for-all. It's not, oh, I'm, I'm going to grab on his coattails and, and follow him up. See, these pictures and these, these videos and all these things of us, you know, shoo, up into the air and the rapture. That's not how the rapture of the church is going to happen. It's going to be in a twinkle of an eye. Boom, we're gone. And I want you to understand something about what happens afterwards. They're going to believe a lie. Those that are left behind. They're not going to say, oh my goodness, that was the rapture and I just missed it. I better get saved. That's, that's not according to the Bible. According to the Bible, they're going to believe a lie. I don't know what that lie is. Maybe aliens took them. I mean, there's, there's no telling. I, and I, I want you to know something today. People believe anything. So it, it, it don't even have to be a doozy of a lie. I mean, people just believe anything that's told them. And so they're going to believe a lie. And those that are... Now, will there be people saved during the tribulation period? Yes. But the people that have never heard, the people that have never had an opportunity... The Bible talks about multitudes who will be saved during the, during the tribulation. But it will not be those that have heard and rejected the gospel. You had your opportunity. You had your chance. I, I'm telling you, it's going to be a scary time. And if you don't have it settled, you need to get it settled. If you're not saved, you need to get saved. This isn't a time that we play around Today is the day of salvation. Now is the acceptable time. You might not have tomorrow. We have no idea what tomorrow holds. We're living in an uncertain world. Can I tell you, we've always been living in an uncertain world. It just seems to be more prevalent today than it's ever been before. But we've always lived in uncertain times. We've always lived in an uncertain world. I mean, you could do everything you possibly can to stay well. And walk out into a parking lot and get hit by a car. And you could do every single thing you can to be safe. I hear people all the time. My, my wife, she absolutely does not do airplanes. And I tell her all the time. I said, listen, statistically, sweetheart, it is safer on an airplane than it is in a car. Just a fact. 
It's just when an airplane crashes, every, you know, everybody dies in the airplane, right? But, you know, the, the, do you see the signs, how many people died in Georgia because of, cars, because of car crashes? They put those up towards the end of the year. I mean, it's absolutely astonishing. I mean, I, I'm not going to go on a plane. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do And you can isolate yourself in your house and never go out and die of a heart attack. We just, we just don't know. Life is uncertain. And I'm not saying that we go out and be careless. I'm just telling you, you better be ready at all times. Because we have absolutely no idea when the end's going to be here. We don't. We don't know when the rapture's going to be here. You could, you could be doing all the right things and you could be protecting yourself and, you could, and the rapture of the church is happening and we're gone. But listen to me, if you're not saved, you're not gone. If you don't know Christ as your Savior, you're left here. And that's a scary thing. And see this idea? And it's a scary idea. But this idea that if you die, it's okay because everybody's going to heaven is not a biblical concept. It's not a biblical truth. You see, there are people that are going to die and they're going to go to heaven and there's people that are going to die and they're going to go to hell. It's not something that I'm happy to say, but I'm telling you it's the truth of the Word of God. You don't get to pick and choose. We have to take the entire counsel of God. Those that have rejected Jesus Christ as their personal Savior will one day, they don't get saved, they'll die and spend eternity in a place that God created for the devil and his angels. It's a place called hell. It wasn't meant for people. But people will go there because they rejected Jesus Christ as their Savior. I don't know how many funerals I've been to. How many funerals I've done. I have three folders. I've been here since 2009. And I have three file folders about that thick of funerals that I've either done or had a part of. That's not counting the ones I've been to. I mean, life's uncertain, folks. We have no idea when our time is here. And I'm telling you, I've done them where I've said, praise the Lord, I knew their testimony. I knew that they were saved. And, and man, I, but I'm not preaching anybody into heaven that I don't know their testimony. Now, I'm not going to get up and talk about that they're going to hell either because I don't know their heart, neither do you. But I want you to know something. Not everybody's going to heaven. Narrow is the way, the Scripture says. Narrow. And I'm here to tell you, if you're not saved, you better get it settled. Because the last letter of rapture is E, and it's eternal. The Bible says, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. But it's only for the church. What is the church? When the rapture of the church happens, these pews are staying here. You understand that, right? These walls are not going. The portico out there, it's a, the foyer, the, the, they're all staying here. This church has nothing to do with this building. The church are the people that are in the building. The church is made up of those that are washed in the blood of the Lamb. And if you're not saved, and you don't know Christ as your Savior, then get it settled before it's too late. Jesus died for you. 
Isn't that a great thing? You know what he died? He died in your place. He took your penalty, the penalty that you deserve. He took your penalty. I've stood before judges and been given ultimatums in my lifetime when I was younger. And really, quite frankly, if I remember these judges' names, I should go back and thank them. At the time, I wasn't very appreciative, but they had a choice. And they could have chose. And to chose to send me to jail, or chose to send me to juvie, or chose to... But you know what often happened? Somebody took my place. Someone stood in front of me and said, look... I'll vouch for him. I'll make sure that he does his community service. I've done, I've done enough community service to cover my entire lifetime. I'm here to tell you, I'm glad somebody was my advocate. You need an advocate. You need someone to take your place. You see, when... When you stand before God one day, God can't see you. Because if God sees you, He sees sin. If God sees you, He sees guilt. If God sees you, He sees unrighteousness. What has God got to see? When God sees you, He doesn't see you, He sees His Son in you. And Jesus said, this one's mine. I took his place. When he sees Jesus, he doesn't see your unrighteousness. He sees Jesus as Christ's righteousness that has been imputed to your account. You see, when God sees you, he looks at your account, you're bankrupt. You have nothing. But I'm here to tell you, if you look at my bank, it's zero. Or pretty, it's pretty close. Haven't, haven't had a chance to deposit my check yet. So they ain't got much money in there. But I'm going to tell you, if old Donald Trump decided to deposit $5 million into my account, I'd be appreciative. Donald, I'd be appreciative. And guess what? Now, I got $5 million in my account, right? Is it my money? Well, of course it is. You put it in my account. But it wouldn't be mine if he didn't put it in my account. Do you get it? It's Jesus' righteousness, but it's put on your account. So it's put on your account. Guess what? It's yours. And now when God sees you, he sees Christ's righteousness that's in you. But doesn't he do that with everybody? Not those that aren't saved. And when you accept Jesus Christ as your Savior... You're accepting His righteousness to wash away your sin, to take your place. He became sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. It's His righteousness that God sees. Get it settled. I know a lot of your testimonies, and I praise the Lord for them, but I'm telling you something. If you're sitting here this morning and you're not sure, you're taking a gamble. You really are. You need to make sure you get it settled. Because the decision you make will be forever. There's no holding place. 
There's no place where somebody can pray you through or pray you in. There's no second chances. There's no such thing as reincarnation. There's no rewind button in life. And you can't go back. You get one shot at it. You know, only one life will soon be passed, and only what's done for Christ will last. You get, that's it. This is when we get to the end of this, this is it. You can't go say, okay, wait a minute. You ever wish you could go back? You ever wish you could make a difference? Uh, listen, I, I messed it up pretty good the first time. I, I, I don't want to go back and do it again, okay? So, but there's sometimes I wish I could go back and make a different decision. Maybe I wish I could go back and not say what I did say or do say what I didn't say. You know, I wish I sometimes, like, but you can't, can you? Do you realize that when, when this day is over, it's over? I, 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 play this, I play this word game. I have several word games. They say it's supposed to, playing these word games is supposed to help your brain. I, I don't know that it's helping any, but I like to play these games. And, and you play them each day. And then you get, a, you get a little star thing that says you did that day. Well, if I skip one, I can go back and play that game for that day and get, and get my star. Listen, in life, you don't get to do that. Oh, I missed, I missed this day, so I, this, it's no big deal. I'll just go back. You can't go back. 24 hours. Oh, you know what? Wait a minute. I just need a couple more hours. I'm going to borrow a couple hours from tomorrow. Can't do that either, can you? You could stay up later, but guess what? It's already tomorrow. Time. That's, that, that's where we're stuck, folks. We're stuck in this time, and you've got one chance at this. And you better take the opportunities that God gives you and run with them. Because if you don't, I'm telling you, your eternity is at stake. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Heads are bowed this morning, our eyes are closed. Maybe you're here this morning, you've never placed your faith, you never, you never placed your trust in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Can I tell you this morning that God loves you so much? He loves you. God loves even me. Remember the song, God loves even me. It's amazing to me. It boggles my mind sometimes that God would care that much about me. He cares so much for me that He died for me on a cross. That He'd be buried and that He'd rise again the third day. And the Bible says that He is at the right hand of the Father and He's interceding for us. That's how much He cares for you. I believe God, I believe Jesus Christ would have died for you if you were the only one. I think that's how much He cares for you. And maybe you're here this morning, you've never placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Maybe you're listening this morning by live stream and you've never placed your faith in Jesus. Stop wasting time. Stop procrastinating and stop gambling with your life. Stop gambling with your eternity. Get it settled this morning. Place your faith, place your trust in Christ and He will forgive you. 
You see, the scripture says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. If you just put your faith in him, he'll save you. You say, preacher, I'm not sure I'm saved. I'm not sure if I were to die right now, I'd go to heaven to be with God, and I'm concerned about that. Would you pray for me? Just slip your hand up this morning right back down, and I'll pray for you. I'm not going to come to where you are. I'm not going to. I'm not going to uh, embarrass you in any way. I just want to pray for you by need. I'm not sure about my salvation, preacher. Please remember me in your prayers. Maybe you are saved and you've trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior. Can I tell you, we need to take the opportunity that God gives us and run with it. We need to stop wasting our days. We need to stop wasting our time. Get your tent stakes out of this world because this world is not our home. We're just here for a little while and we're just passing through. Invest in eternity. Be the clay. Allow God to be the potter and you'll be exactly what you need to be. Let's stand.